The passage this morning comes out of John chapter 8, verses 39 through 47. John 8, 39 through 47. This is the word of the Lord. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing what your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Let's pray. Father, we pray for the grace to do more than bear your word, but rather to receive, to hear and receive it so that we may have life in Jesus and that we may have the presence of the Spirit uh, to live out your truth, your gospel truth, the grace that comes through Jesus and only through Jesus in this dark world. May our friends see it in us. Lord, we pray for Brad now that as he preaches, um, he would do uh, nothing more than being faithful to your word and uh, that your work would be in our hearts to prepare or to receive it. So we, we pray that you would bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church family. John chapter 8 is where we're going to be continuing. If you haven't picked up the consistent theme throughout the gospel of John, it's to believe. Believe, believe believe, and a lot of examples of what is not believing. Um, and we're going to see that again. We're going to see that again this morning. Believe in Jesus. And what does that look like? Well, John goes to great lengths to show us what that actually looks like to believe in Jesus and to trust in him, really, to really believe uh, in him. Now, Jesus is talking to those who say they believe. Um, that's what makes this passage and several others in the Gospel of John so interesting. He's actually talking to people who just, it just said believed. If you go back to verse 30 um, and 31, it says, it, as, it, verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, and this is part of that discourse, so he's saying these things, many believed, and Jesus is saying to those who believe, and basically, can we just sum it up? He's saying, you really don't believe. That's a hard message. 
This passage, passage kind of really takes things from a negative because it's a narrative. And Jesus is interacting with these, the, these Jews here who say they believe, but Jesus is saying, no, you really, really don't. He's, he's, there's a questioning tone in these verses. That's why Jesus said to the Jews in verse 31, uh, who, who, who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. There's a questioning tone there in what he says. And that is a bit of a recurring issue in the Gospel of John. You saw it probably for, I guess, really back in John chapter 2. Um, it really came out, verses 23 through 25 in John chapter 2. I think it might be helpful real quick uh, just to, to point that out. It says, Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Jesus is doing miracles. What, what do the people do? They see the miracles and they say, Oh, I, I, I believe in him. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So it says they believed in Jesus. And then there's an interesting play of words that we don't really get in our English translations there. And it turns it around where it says, many believed in Jesus. But as it says in the ESV here, many, uh, Jesus did not entrust himself. By the way, that word entrust is the word for believe. It's pistuo. It's the same Greek word. I believe. Jesus did not believe them. They said, I believe you, Jesus. Jesus said, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Why? Because it says he knew what was in the heart of man. So if there's a way to assent to something as being true and say, yep, I believe that happened. I believe that's real. And it not be saving faith. Okay, there is a belief, a form of belief that is not saving faith. We know that. We see that elsewhere in Scripture. You see it in the book of James. You believe in God, good. The demons also believe and they tremble. The demons believe, but they don't put their trust in Christ and what He's done. We see that in the passage again today. The whole discussion is framed in regards to whose child they are. Whose child are you? Who's your daddy? Really? It is really what this is, this is about here, okay? Who, who's your daddy? Um, and you're going to see that over and over in this passage. And you already saw it hinted to last week, and you'll see it again next week. And it's part. It started in the passage that uh, Pastor Stacy preached last week, and is front and center in this passage. They claim to be children of Abraham. Verse 39. We're children of Abraham. We're also children of God. Verse 41. But Jesus corrects their claim and says, actually, you are children of the devil. Jesus is not a popularity preacher, if you didn't figure that out here, okay? Um, Jesus is not Joel Osteen here, okay? This is not watered down. This is not easy to hear. This is not, how palatable can you make this? So it just sounds good to me. Jesus is not doing that at all. He's saying, listen, you think Abraham's your father? Your father, really? You think God is your father? Your father's the devil. That's hard. Can you imagine hearing that and how offensive it was to them? They already wanted to kill him. And it's only going to be more so. Jesus is, is putting it to them direct, straight and hard. And the question for us this morning is, whose child are you? Are you a child of God? 
Are you a child of God? Now, this is, this is Jesus interacting with the Jews, and for them, it's, it, the answer is, it is a negative answer. You're of the devil, but whose child are you? How does, when we hear this today, I think we should ask ourselves, am I a child of God? Because one thing we do see in this passage is that spiritual deception is a possibility. You can think, oh, I'm good, I'm right, and be spiritually deceived. Are you a child of God? The Jews were fixated on their, their, their physical lineage. For them, it was all about, I'm good because my daddy's daddy's daddy was Abraham. Okay? I come from that lineage, that physical lineage, so I'm okay. We see it in verse 33, see it in verse 39. Next week, you're going to see it a lot more. We're good because we are physically descendant from Abraham. We descend from Abraham. But here's the point, and we see it in verse 39. Let me just read verse 39. Get back from chapter 8. Verse 39, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. Here's the point. Spiritual lineage is what matters. It doesn't matter physically who your daddy is. It doesn't matter which line you come from. It doesn't matter what bloodline or Anything about that, what matters is who do you belong to. The spiritual lineage, not the physical lineage, is what is important. I don't care if you had a great, wonderful man of God, dad that loves Jesus, that does not save you. And I don't care if you had an absolute pagan dad who didn't carry a rip about Jesus and was hostile to the gospel, you can be saved. It is not about physical lineage. It is about spiritual lineage. Whose child are you now? Verse 33, they had already claimed to be free because of their connection to Abraham. However, Jesus, Jesus said that this didn't free them of all, at all of their sin before God. It did not do it. It reminds me of uh, a few years ago in college. I guess it was more than a few years ago, but... Years ago in college, we were doing a ministry thing, and we were in Graham, Texas, and we were out um, at kind of a public gathering, and we were sharing the gospel with people and, and just going and talking to people about Jesus. And I was talking to uh, um, a young man there, um, probably early 20s, something like that, a young man. And I'm talking to him, and I asked him a question. I said, are, are you a Christian? And he said, no, I'm a Baptist. Um, <laughs> I thought about that as I thought about this passage today. I'm not a Christian. I'm a Baptist. Something's wrong. There's a disconnect. Say, so It doesn't matter what your lineage is. What is your relationship with God? Jesus goes on to show seven examples, seven examples that, that basically show that they're not children of God. Um, these people who thought they were children of God, but Jesus says, sorry, but no, you're not. You're not. Seven characteristics of a person who is not a child of God. And I would say you take the opposite of these, and it serves as a confirmation that you are, a confirmation of your faith when you see the opposite of the things that Jesus, Jesus calls these people out on. And today, that I pray that through this message, that one of two things will happen, okay? Either, number one, that you will be joyfully confirmed in your faith. You'll, you'll hear these and you'll say, yes, 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 I am a child of God. 
Or maybe as we go through these things today, um, maybe some fear will set in. And you'll say, I'm not, I am not confident that I am a child of God. And if that happens, then it's a good day to bow the knee to Jesus and come to Him. Okay, so let's look at it through the, the, the text uh, today. Characteristics of a person who is not a child of God, because that's what we're dealing with here in the text. It goes from the negative. I want us to see the negative, but then look at it from the positive as well. Number one, number one, characteristics of a person who's not a child of God. You have an attitude of hostility towards Christ. You have an attitude of hostility towards Christ. Look at verses 39 and 40. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to him, if, if you're Abraham's children, then you would be doing the work that Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You really Abraham's children? You're trying to kill me. Here's the real facts, okay? You say you're a child of Abraham, but you're trying to kill me. That is not a child of Abraham. That is not what Abraham did. And why? Why? Why are they trying to kill Jesus? He says, because I, I, I told you the truth of God. I told you the truth, and when I tell you the truth, what do you do? You want to kill me. Abraham didn't do this. So don't tell me you're from Abraham. They, they, acted, they had acted like this wasn't a reality. Remember back in chapter 7, verse 20, they're like, who's trying to kill you? Jesus, nobody's trying to kill you. They're not even really acting like that now. They want Jesus dead. There's an attitude of hostility towards Jesus. We want him dead. We don't like what he's saying. We don't like who he is. He's in a hindrance to us. What caused the hostility towards Jesus? They didn't like his words. He had, he had told them the truth, it says in the text. He tells them the truth, and what do they want to do? They want to kill him. That's the problem. They didn't like the truth. And if you don't like the message, then what do you do? You turn on the messenger. We don't like what he's saying. What he's saying is incredibly offensive to us. So we're going to turn that hostility towards him, and we want to kill him. We want him dead, out of the way. Do you have an attitude of hostility towards Christ? And I would dare say that everybody in the room would say, I don't have an attitude of hostility towards Christ. I'm sure everyone here would say, no, I don't. I would just ask, does His truth offend you? Does the truth of God, some of which is kind of hard, does His truth offend you? Does it upset you when you hear the truth of Christ? Today, I think we switched things around. We kind of we transitioned it a little bit today. Maybe they didn't have that luxury then because Jesus was right there with them. I think today, instead of just turning towards we want to kill Jesus, we just kind of want to redefine Jesus. We kind of want to make Him into something that's safe and comfortable and always affirming to me and very non-confrontational and very me-centered and... Yes, I'm not hostile towards Jesus because Jesus is absolutely all about me. Kind of turn that around. Is that, is that kind of Jesus, the kind of Jesus we're reading in this passage though? He's not safe. He's not comfortable. Absolutely, He is incredibly loving. 
And absolutely, He's done everything for you. But He's God. And it's really all about Him. Does the truth of Jesus offend you? Does the Jesus of Scripture, the real Jesus, offend you? Not the Jesus of your own making. Number two, characteristics of a person who's not a child of God. You do bad things. Sounds pretty plain, pretty simple. You do bad things. Look at the first part of verse 41. It says in the text, um, oh, there you, you are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. But listen, Jesus said, what are you doing? You're doing the works that your father did. You do bad things. You're doing the works your father did. And you say, well, it depends on who your father is and what he did. Well, who's the father Jesus is talking about here? Right? Who is it we're talking about? Well, if you, if you fast forward down to verse 44, Jesus says, your father's the devil. That's who he's talking about. So that's what he's referring to. Your father's the devil. In other words, Jesus is saying, you are doing exactly the things that Satan would want you to do. Who are you representing? Who are you acting like? Who are you a child of here? It's, it's Satan. You're doing exactly the things that Satan would want you in these situations to do. Verse 39, if you're Abraham's children, then you do the deeds of Abraham. But you're not. You're doing what your father does. They were absolutely convinced that they were the spiritual ones serving God. I hope we see that in the text. I mean, they are, they are just sure. We are the spiritual ones here. We are the religious people. We are the ones really serving God. And Jesus says, no, you're not. No, you're not. They were sure they were faithful to God. But what they claimed was not the reality. What they claimed was absolutely not the reality. And that just goes back again. And I, and I hope we hear it and understand it because it, it's It's important. Spiritual deception is a possibility. It is possible to be spiritually deceived, to think everything is okay, I'm good, everything's good, and you not be. And we see that throughout Scripture. Jesus said, many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and then they're going to give all the resume of all the things that they did for Him. They're calling Him Lord. And I'll say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. Spiritual deception is possible. So we are told in Scripture to make our calling and election sure. We are told in Scripture to examine ourselves, to see whether we're in the faith, to test ourselves. Or do you not know this about yourself lest you fail the test? 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Spiritual deception is possible. So we need, we need to be careful here and not assume. They were assuming they were wrong. We need, to, we need to examine our hearts from time to time. Here's the point. You can say all day long, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God. But if your deeds are evil, then you're not a child of God. And you say, well, hold on, Brad. I thought we were all sinners. I thought we all messed up. Look at you up there. And that's a very good point. Look at me up here. I don't know how Paul, the Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, when I look at myself and say, no, I got you beat easy. 
We're all sinners, right? We're all messed up there. We all, we all struggle. We all do bad things. That doesn't mean that you don't still struggle with sin. If you're a believer, you're absolutely going to struggle with sin. And often, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Paul in Romans chapter 7, he, he talks about this. the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I hate and don't want to do, that's exactly what I do. He wrestles with sin. He struggles with sin. But that is the point. He is struggling and wrestling with sin. It really is what the point is. The real concern is for those who don't struggle and wrestle with sin. Do you not struggle and do you not wrestle with sin? Because a believer has the Holy Spirit in him. And what is the Holy Spirit? When we're, when we're going off the wrong direction, the Bible says those whom He loves, He also disciplines. If my kids are going off in the wrong direction, I step in. I step in. Because that's my child. Your kids are going off in the wrong direction. Well, as, as a friend and elder, and I'm going to probably want to try to, at least through you, to intervene too. But I don't discipline other people's kids. I discipline my kids. That's my responsibility. So are you a child of God? Well, does God leave you to yourself? Do you not wrestle? Do you not struggle with sin? Does the Holy Spirit not bring conviction in your life when you're running away from Jesus? That's a sign that something's wrong. That's a sign that something's wrong if you're left to yourself. Those whom He loves, He disciplines. Are you a child of of God. Spiritual deception is possible. Number three, characteristics of a person who is not a child of God, you justify yourself by making accusations. You justify yourself by making accusations. We can see that a couple of places in the text. The first one is the, the, the second part of verse uh, 41. Let's just read the whole verse. You are doing the works your father did. We just talked about that. How are they going to respond? They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. We're not born of sexual immorality. Nope. We've got a Father, and that's God. And then, in verse 48, down a little bit further, what are they going to do? Again, to Jesus. And Jesus answered him. Are they answered, the Jews answered Jesus. Are we not right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? <laughs> So what are they doing? They're trying to turn it around. They're trying to make accusations back. They're trying to justify themselves and turn it back and make accusations towards Jesus. Jesus' words were very threatening to them. I mean, they are. Just on the face, Jesus' words are very threatening to them. They are extremely confrontational. Jesus is not watering anything down here. He's got very confrontational words to these Jews. They're threatening to them. So what are they doing? We've got to figure out how to turn it back on him. And that's exactly what they're trying to do in this text. What would their response be? Hey, we're not the ones born in fornication or sexual immorality. That's you. What are they talking about there? They're talking about kind of a reference to the controversy over Jesus' birth. Remember, Jesus is betrothed, or Joseph is betrothed to Mary, and Mary's pregnant. Right? They haven't come together. Joseph knows it's not his. Controversy that's a little bit hard to explain, probably to the surrounding community. That don't worry, guys, this is of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's probably a little bit difficult to explain. So there's a lot of assumptions that would be made there. That ah, that's that's illegitimate. 
You're an illegitimate child, Jesus, they would say. That's what they're trying to go. They would not obviously accept the virgin birth. They're calling Jesus illegitimate. So they're trying to justify themselves by accusing Jesus. And they even go further than that in verses 48 and 49 that I just read a second ago. What do do they do? They again charge Jesus with illegitimacy. You're a Samaritan. You're what they would call a mixed breed there. You're not pure. You're there. And not only that, you got a demon. You're demon-possessed, Jesus. So they're really going after him in the, in the hardest ways that they can. They're charging him with illegitimacy and being de- demon-possessed. And Jesus says no. He then implies that they're, by dishonoring them, they're dishonoring the Father. They're dishonoring God as well. So when, Jesus, uh, when threatened by Jesus' words, what do they do? They attacked Jesus. That's a, that is politics today. Right? I mean, that's just the way it's done anymore. It's no, there's, no, there's no gentlemen and gentleladies in politics um, anymore. It's, it's kind of, if you feel threatened, what do you do? You go after your opponent's credibility. You dig up some dirt. You try to make it as personal as it can possibly be. They were seeking to justify their now exposed selves, right? They're exposed. They're seeking to justify that by discrediting Jesus. We're confronted with something we don't like, so we're going after him personally and discrediting him. Make it personal. Trying to justify yourself by seeking to discredit someone else is a recipe for self-deception. If you're trying to justify yourself by discrediting someone else, it's a recipe for self-deception. What are we talking about? Self-deception. There's a lot of self-deception here. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm religious. I'm right with God. Jesus says, no, you're not. No, you're not. Are you trying to justify yourself by comparing yourself to somebody else? That's really easy to do. It's really natural to do. I'm okay because, look, I know him and I'm a lot better than him. <laughs> Are you comparing yourself to someone else? Hey, listen, so many people who are lost, they reassure themselves of their salvation by self-justification. I'm better than that guy, and he's a believer. I'm better than that guy, and he's a preacher. And if you don't like the truth that you're getting, what do you do? Then you just go find a better preacher, Right? <laughs> You go find somewhere else that you're going to hear something you you like better. Who will back up your self-justification. No, that that never happens, right? I don't like that. That's too hard. That that calls me out. I'm going to go find somebody who won't. Self-justification. Number four. Characteristics of a person who's not a child of God. You don't love Jesus. You don't love Jesus. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from Him and I am here. I came not on my own accord, but He sent me. I'm from God, and if God was your Father, you would love me, Jesus said. If you're really of God, then you would love me. If, if is the key word, right? If, if what you said were true, that you're a child of God, because they just claimed that they were children of God, you would love me. 
Why? Because I come from God. Not only that, I do exactly what God wants me to do. That's what Jesus says there, right? I come from God, and what God wants me to do, it's exactly what I do. So if you're of God, then you would love me, Jesus is saying. But you don't. You don't. Here's the point. You cannot say you love God if you don't love Jesus. It's impossible. You can't say, I love God. And it really be true, you can say what you can say a lot of things, right? But you can't say it and it be meaningful and true if you don't love Jesus. So I ask you the question, is there a love of Jesus in your life? Do you love Jesus? I think one of the clearest marks of believer, you, you love, you love one another and you love Jesus. It's part of what he does in there. There's a love for Jesus in your life, not just a sense of duty to Jesus. I mean, they knew all about a sense of duty, and they really tried to live that duty out. Not, Christianity is not just, well, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I need to be here, and I need to go to this service, and I need to do this, and I need to pray, you know, twice a day and throughout the day in different ways, and I need to read my Bible this much. It's like it's a sense of duty. All those things are great and wonderful, and go for it. But do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? If God were your Father, you would love me. Jesus says. If you're a child of God, then you love Jesus. Number five, you're spiritually deaf and blind. If you're a person who's not a child of God, then you're spiritually deaf and blind. This is not just something you get to. This, by the way, this is not, doesn't just belong to them. This is the reality for anybody that doesn't know Jesus. Verse 43 says... Why do you not understand why I say? It is because you cannot bear my word. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear my word. And then he says again in verse 47, Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason that you do not hear them is, because, is that you are not of God. If you're of God, you hear the word. You don't hear them because you're not of God. I know you said you believe, but you don't, in a real sense. You don't hear because you're not of God. Jesus poses the question, then he gives two related answers. Why don't you understand what I'm saying, um, is the first one. You kind of have to wonder, um, you have to wonder that same, uh, what was their problem? When I'm reading this, why don't you believe me? Why don't, why don't you believe me? What's their problem? Are they just thick-headed? Are they just really just not very bright? They're dull. Just because it wasn't what they wanted. Why didn't they get it? Jesus says, it is because you cannot bear my word. You cannot bear. That's a little bit of an interpretive translation there. It's akuo. It's, you cannot hear. You cannot hear my word. You don't hear it. You can't. You don't have an ear. He who has an ear, let him hear. We read in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 to the churches. If you got an ear, let him hear. Not everybody has an ear. They're spiritually deaf. They're spiritually deaf and spiritually blind, and they can't hear. They don't hear. And they cannot, they cannot bear it. They, they, even what they hear, they don't want to hear. It means that spiritually you're deaf. You can't hear it. Summary, you don't hear um, 
Well, let me just back up one thing there, because it, it kind of is important, I think, to understand there, too. That's a passive, that you're not able, you took can or to be able, that, that word is a passive there. You haven't been made able to, in that sense. You can't, you, haven't, you don't have an ear to hear, you haven't been enabled there. Your default position, the default position of fallen man is spiritual blindness and deafness. That is the default position of fallen man. And if God opens up your ears to the truth, you can hear, you receive through the presentation of the gospel. You put that together with what Jesus is saying in verses 44 and 47. Basically, you're a child of the devil. You're listening to him, not to, to us. And it reads something like 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5 says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Paul's saying, listen, what he's talking about, we don't use clever tactics, we don't use tricks, we don't try to manipulate things to get you to believe. Craftiness, those things, we, we've, 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 we've rebuked all that. We set it aside, we don't do that. That's not who we are or what we preach. So if our gospel's veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. If our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. How does that happen? Why is that? Because the God of this world, by the way, this little g God of this world, we're talking about Satan again. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the knowledge, or to keep them seeing the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ. Paul just says, we just preach Jesus and ourselves as servants for Christ Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Salvation is a miracle. That's what that means. Salvation is a miracle. You don't see it. You can't, you're like, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't want that truth. You don't have, you're spiritually deaf. You're spiritually blind. God who said, let light shine out of darkness. God says, turns on that light switch. He, through the work of the Holy Spirit, when we hear the gospel, he says, let there be light. Let light shine out of darkness. It's a miracle of God. Do you have ears to hear? Do you have an ear for the word of God? Is the question. Continuing characteristics of, of a person who is not a child of God. Number six, you have a corrupt nature. You have a corrupt nature. We kind of bounced all around this one, so we'll go fairly quickly with it. It says in verse 44, you are of your father the devil. Of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. Desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, his own nature there, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You're of your father, the devil. What's he talking about? You're out of, you're in line with. You want the desires of your father. Your father, your heart is bent towards the will of Satan. That's a hard thing to consider that that's, you know, as a lost man, as before I knew Jesus, my heart was bent toward the desires of Satan. By the way, for Satan, it's not just that you run around with pentagrams all over your body and with a pitchfork and say you worship Satan, okay? It's that you don't worship God. He wins. That Christ doesn't get the glory through His name. He calls that a victory. You want the desires of your Father. 
It's not just your actions, but your nature is bent towards sin. It's telling us here. Jesus is telling them that they're corrupt. That's what he's saying. You are corrupt as your father is corrupt. He then tells them uh, what Satan's corrupt nature looks like. In the second half of verse 44, and, and, and says that some of those same characteristics are in them. Are those same characteristics are in them? What, what do you say about saying he's a murderer? You want me dead. Satan's a murderer, and what do you want? You want to kill me. You want me dead. He's a liar, and he's, when he lies, it's just his nature to lie. You oppose the truth when it's presented to you. You're of your father, the devil. The point is that you have a corrupt nature. Listen, though, it, it, this is, there's some harsh truths here that are hard. That are, that are, if you've got sensitive ears and you want it to all be positive and good and easy, some of this is hard. Jesus is saying, listen, if you're not of, if you're not of me, then you're of the devil. That is the default position of a lost person is your God is the God of this world. It's not just here. It's not just in this narrative. You can go to Ephesians chapter 2. First part of Ephesians chapter 2, Jesus says you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He's talking about Satan. You were spiritually dead apart from Christ and you were following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians 2, 2. By nature, children of wrath, Ephesians 2, 3. That's that default position. He speaks of his own nature. You speak of your own nature too. Satan was a murderer. They wanted to kill Jesus. They refused to believe the truth. Satan's a liar. The point is a corrupt nature. Listen, Salvation is not me just filling out a card sometime or repeating a few words or something. Salvation is a miracle. Salvation is a work of God. In salvation, something incredible happens. There's a real change that takes place. You're still going to struggle with the flesh, but He takes that heart of stone and He replaces it with the heart of flesh. He puts His Spirit within you. He is working in you. And though you're working out the wrestlings and the struggles of that, you are not the same person. So the question is, has your nature changed? Has your nature changed? Number seven, the last one, characteristics of a person who's not a child of God. You don't believe the truth. You don't believe the truth. Not in any, any real way like here. Verses 45 and 46. But I tell you the truth, but because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? I tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? I'm telling you the truth. You don't believe. Why don't you believe me? Jesus is saying. It's because I tell you the truth. It's because I tell you the truth. The lost person has a natural aversion to the truth. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. We just read that from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. This is, this is the heart of the problem, and it's a heart problem. Unless you, if you go back to verse 24, Jesus says, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. 
24 in chapter 8. If you don't believe that I am, I'm He, I'm the Son of God, if you don't believe that I am Him, you're going to die in your sins. Believe. Believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Him? Believing in Jesus is not just about what you say or where you go. If you come to Lifeway every Sunday, praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here. That's awesome. See Wednesday, you know, as much as possible. Let's, that, that's great. This does not make you a follower of Jesus because you come here. I think it's incredibly important. I think it's awesome, and I hope you're here. But just showing up here doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Just saying... I mean, you go do a survey in America, the majority of people are going to say, I'm a Christian. Saying a few words is not the reality. Is there a spiritual reality in you? It's about, not just about what you say. The demons say they believe in God, yeah, and they tremble, whatever. It's, not, it's who you are. So the question is, have you trusted Jesus with your life? There's an old kind of cliche example that I remember from when I was a kid, people would use that, you know, I have a chair there, right? And I can say, I believe that chair would hold me up. Now, granted, you may look at me and say, it needs to be a substantial chair, right? But I believe that chair would hold me up. I can say all day I believe in that chair would hold me up. I'm not really trusting in that until I go put my weight in it and sit in it. It's one thing just to believe that there was a Jesus. It's one thing just to believe he died on a cross. It's one thing to believe he was a great teacher. He's great, and I like the idea of being a follower of Jesus. I was raised that way. Everything else, great, good, wonderful. Have you really placed your faith in him? Have you trusted your life into his hands because of what he did for you on the cross? Because of who he is? He is the Son of God, came into the world that lived a sinless life. He lived a life you could never live. He lived the perfect, sinless life. And he died on that cross in your place. He took the judgment of the Father for you. And so you come to a point, and you don't just say, yep, that's great, that's awesome, I want, I, I kinda, I want a piece of that. You say, no, that's my only hope. And Jesus, I am trusting you. I am trusting you in what you accomplished for my salvation. You come to Jesus in true faith. By the way, anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. You come to him in true faith. He changes you. He makes you new. Gives you a new nature. You're not a child of the devil anymore. You're a child of God. He makes you brand new. And you're going to still wrestle and struggle, but you're going to wrestle and struggle because he's working in you and he's working on you through that. And you have hope in your life. Believe in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for a passage that's hard to read, Lord. And I thank you for a passage that's very confrontational. Um, and God maybe causes us to maybe step back and do what 2 Corinthians 13.5 tells us to do, to examine ourselves and to make our calling and election sure. And God, I just pray for everyone in this room, whether they've attended here for a long time, attended some other church, whatever, Lord, or whether maybe... This is the first time to hear anything like this. God, through your Holy Spirit, God, I pray you would convict of sin. And God, say, let there be light in their hearts, Lord, as we read in 2 Corinthians 4. 
And I pray you'll save people, even in the room this morning, Lord. Help us to see that we have no hope in ourselves, but you are everything. And to not just say some words, but to really believe in you, to trust our lives into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.